Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates, creator of the Cates Academy for Relationship Marketing. In each episode, I interview one of our industry's top performers, getting them to pass on their secrets to success to you so that you can impact more lives and generate more income. Now, on to the show. Welcome, welcome. Before we get going, I want to let you know about some free resources that I invite you to retrieve after you've listened to today's interview. You find checklists, guides, videos, and other tools. Simply go to referralcoach.com forward slash resources. Now write this down unless you're driving. That's referralcoach.com forward slash resources. And it's also in the show notes. While you're there, make sure you sign up for our weekly tips. We're always sharing best practices and we'll notify you of our newest podcast interviews as they go live. And while these are free to you, I think you'll find them quite valuable. On with today's show. Today, we're going to discuss a topic that if you take this message to heart, will allow you to serve your clients better, make you super referable through increased client engagement and lead to opportunities to serve others in your clients' lives. Through the thousands of interviews, coaching calls, and other conversations with financial professionals I've had over the years, I've come to realize that too many financial professionals who maybe call themselves financial advisors, financial planners, and who even help their clients develop a financial plan are really just investment managers and or risk managers. They, they fall short of creating relationships with their clients that have both the depth and the breadth to truly serve their clients at the highest level. You, as a financial advisor, do the type of work that can ripple through the lives of so many others in your clients' lives, a ripple so strong that and meaningful that it, it can impact multiple generations for years to come. I could be wrong, but sometimes I think financial professionals don't truly appreciate the full impact of their work. With me today to dig into this pretty meaty topic is Steve Gresham. Steve, who hails from the New York metropolitan area, is the managing principal of the premier executive community in the financial services industry, Next Chapter, and acts as a senior educational advisor to the Alliance for Lifetime Income. Prior to founding his consulting firm, Steve was the EVP and head of private client group at Fidelity Investments for nine years. During this time, he drove the retail investor strategy that generated assets under administration to more than $2 trillion. Steve has a Telly Award for Innovation in Financial Services Marketing, a Mutual Fund Marketer of the Year Award by Institutional Investor Fund Action, and has been recognized with the Pioneer Award for Lifetime Industry Contributions from the Money Management Institute. All of these accolades mean that Steve like myself, has been around this industry for quite some time and has done some great work to help advisors like you acquire and serve their clients. Steve Gresham, welcome to Top Advisor Podcast. Hey, thank you, Bill. It's terrific to be here. It's an honor. Well, thank you. It's an honor to have you. I've been had been watching you from afar for quite some time, and I finally I, I read an article you wrote, and I said, all right, it's time. I've got to have Steve on my podcast, and we're going to dig into some of those things. Uh, that came from that article and, and beyond. So, how, how did your mission evolve uh, to the point where you're you're now primarily focused on what you call the next chapter? Tell us about next chapter and about the evolution to get to that point. Sure. Well, how do any real transitions in your life take place? What's the catalyst? You're going through it yourself. So, 
when I was looking at the world of the client, which has been my entire focus for the past 40 years, and I'm sitting in this fantastic perch in what I think is the best job in the industry at Fidelity, managing the retail strategy, and I'm watching this kind of slow rolling age wave that you know you and I have been talking about, people in the industry have been talking about. You know, they were born in 1946, these baby boomers, the first ones. So it's not really a surprise. But now that they're hitting that point that we said for so many years, they would arrive at when they wanted to do whatever that thing is. We don't call it retirement anymore. So I wanted to get after that, just like I had been right at the uh, beginning point with the transition from stockbrokers to managed assets, what we might call wealth management, still more investment management, in my opinion. So I saw this retirement thing and and I said, the the entrepreneurial itch is there and I, and I want to go get it. Could not have had a better job at the world's largest retirement company, but I wanted to do it in the way that I wanted to do it. So I bugged out and, and that's where Next Chapter came from, from my Next Chapter. Hmm. So you mentioned retirement. We don't call it that anymore. Obviously, some do, some don't. Uh, I think some people really want to retire and others just think of the next chapter. So, you know, should we be using that word? Because a lot of people still have it in their head that way. Should we reframe it for people? What, what's your take on that? Well, if it was up to me, I would make sure that we never called it anything. And in, instead, we would just <laughs> ask people exactly what they think it is, because right. it's episodic, right? So <clears throat> when you roll into what your initial retirement could be, and I was just talking to a guy this morning who was doing that, he said, you know, uh, a very successful executive, uh, and, and and I think actually you know who he is, uh, and he's now turning 60. He's got his own firm. He's doing work. But if you were to say to him, are you retired? It doesn't actually enter his lexicon. Now, there are other people that I know. In fact, uh, a lot of senior people, uh, one that I used to work for. And, you know, she told me the other day at about the same age, by the way, that she loves her retirement, where she doesn't have to do anything she doesn't want to do. And she's recaptured control over her schedule. Mm -hmm. So so it's a couple of things. It's it's first, it's whatever you think it is in, in what I would call sort of the first trimester of retirement, when you have the most money, the most health, and then you get to those other stages where things are not so good. And I think what you and I are going to talk about in context of financial advisors is a little bit more of that second trimester where something's slowed down or one person is slowed down if it's a couple, and then that third trimester where maybe you're all by yourself. Yeah, you know, you made me think of a couple of things. I, I, uh, my father worked for the federal government for thirty years, retired, and really did retire as soon as he possibly could at age fifty-five. He was retired for another, I think, thirty-two years. He retired longer than he was at work. Uh, definitely not a role model for me because he pretty much sat and watched TV for those 32 years. I've got a friend of mine uh, who's just a little older than me and we were playing golf the other day. And I said, so how's retirement? He says, well, it doesn't suck. And so <laughs> that spoke to me. <laughs> um, one, one of the ways that you work with advisors is to help them gain the skill. And, and I've added the word courage to host family conversations. Um, and I know some advisors avoid that. It doesn't even come up in their awareness. Some have thought about it, don't want to do it. So tell us more about the concept of the family conversation. What are they? Why are they important to both the clients and the advisors who might host them? 
Sure. So uh, the family conversation is an idea that I've worked with personally for a number of years now. And and it really is is the biggest uh, of our programs that we've got in Next Chapter when we look around and see what's the most impact we could have working within that community of, of 60 companies or so. So especially for the firms we work with, large advisory firms, what we're trying to get after is first, as you said, Bill, we're trying to give the advisors first the courage to be able to engage because there's kind of three phases of what happens when you try to support this stuff more broadly across a company, whether it's a, a small independent advisory firm or even a large enterprise where, again, where we spend most of our time. But the first thing you have to be able to do is to engage, to be able to answer the call, quite literally, when that comes in from the client. And what we found is that there are seven life events, seven moments that matter, if you will. And you've got to be comfortable being able to receive those, confront those and be able to engage with the client, because that's really where your strength is. And that's where your confidence begins as an advisor. And that's really also, it's a moment that matters because if you don't do anything, that's when you actually start the clock on trouble happening for you, which may not be driven by the actual client, but it could be from a you know an adult child or somebody else who says they're just not paying attention to you. So that's really where we get started. And then, then when you're comfortable, as you know, being such a great coach of advisors for so many years, you got to be comfortable with the response before you can then become much more effective being proactive. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. Because if either if you don't know what the response is going to be, you might avoid it. Or if you think it could be negative in some form, even emotional, uh, then you might avoid it for sure. Yeah, you got to, as an advisor, the very best advisors, I think that, that you and I know over the years, they do this kind of thing naturally because they never feel on the spot. You know, that's a self-imposed uh, challenge to yourself if you do that. If you feel like you have to have an answer for everything that the client asks, man, you're in trouble because there's just no way you can keep all this stuff in your head. I mean, my father was in academic medicine for 45 years. If you came to him with something, there's no way you could think of absolutely every condition, every joint, every part of the body. So doctors all the time would say, you know, that's a really interesting situation. I have no idea what that is. And advisors need to be able to do the same thing. That's the power. So why is this important? What And, and what, is a, what does a family conversation look like? I know I want to get into these seven phone calls you had mentioned earlier, and, and maybe now's the time, I'm not sure. But, you know, going a little more depth, I guess, of, of the meeting, uh, what's talked about, who's there, what, what's and what's the goal, I guess. Yeah. Of this. So I, I would I'd like to use the family conversation as a concept and say it may be a gazillion different individual interactions. It might be mostly by email. It could be all kinds of things. But keep in your mind that the family conversation is something that we speak here at our practice. That's where oh, I start. So I we speak the family conversation. And in some cases, it's going to be that aging parent, you know, like yours or my mother, who's 89, who's coming to visit next week from Florida. You know, she can't wait. And so she's she's actually addressed probably all but one of the seven moments that matter, maybe two. So, you know, those are just things that happen. But then really what, what goes on with the family conversation is that you are creating a safe space for the client to bring up a topic. And I, yeah. and I, I think, you know, when we start talking to advisors about the seven moments that matter, 
And I list those out and I ask, because I love, you know, still working with advisors all the time. I say, if that thing came in and that was your mother or that was your sister or that was your, you know, brother-in-law or something, you wouldn't have any problem with this topic. So why is it that you feel such trepidation about it coming to you from a client? Because it's not easy for them to bring this stuff up. An awful lot of these things happen to them by surprise, or it's never happened to them before. You at least know it's coming. So I guess I misinterpreted the family conversation as the family meeting, which it isn't always that case. Uh, but let, let's, you know, before I go any further, uh, let's talk about these seven moments that matter, these uh, seven phone calls that uh, every advisor, uh, advisor will get at some point if they, have, if they haven't already uh, and how we need to be somewhat prepared for those. Um, although, as you said, we may not know the, the total answer, but we we shouldn't be surprised and should, we should be ready to receive them. So give us a, a sense of some of those. Yeah. So for example, if again, aging parents, probably the number one issue for the baby boom generation rolling into their next chapter, their retirement, whatever it is. So I mentioned my mother's 89. <clears throat> so one of the things you have to be prepared for is some kind of health event that is going to take place with an aging person. I cannot tell you after all these years, how many times I still get a weekly, weekly, sometimes daily interaction with somebody that I know that or a professional or advisor or somebody, and they are expressing a level of surprise when they have mentioned that this thing has happened to a friend, a relative or a client. Mm -hmm. That's the part that I struggle with the most because, you know, the oldest boomers are shoving at 77 here. I mean, this is not new information. And so having, you know, kind of walk around knowledge about the vulnerability of people as they age is something that I just kind of take for granted. I mean, maybe because I come from a, a medical family uh, and, and that actually is an advantage because also being the oldest of the kids in, in my house, I knew th all four of my grandparents and three out of four of my great grandparents. And mm -hmm. I think that's a very unusual thing, you know, these days in particular, mm -hmm. but you have to have, you know, what I would say is at least a cursory knowledge a walking around comfort level with talking about things that happen to people as they get older, because it's just not rare. It is increasingly commonplace and it's a human thing. So when you see it, it could be, a, again, it could be a friend, a relative, a neighbor, but you have to have just comfort with the idea. That's where I think it starts. And then we can dig into some of the individual ones. So healthcare event is the most common, right? Something has happened. And again, People are surprised. You again. I have to pause and say, why? You know, you knew that something was going to happen. You know, the people don't live forever, and so stuff happens. And when you're in your 60s, the chances are you already have at least one and probably two chronic ailments of some kind. They may not be life-altering yet, but they could lead to something else. So you actually have the warning signs. I certainly do. I have four orthopedists. So you know, <laughs> there's just stuff you need to know. And then the point for the advisor, though, is to understand the sequence, what happens before I give you any more, mm -hmm. which is the client is going to communicate to you in some way about this thing. So okay. just leave it as a thing for right now. All right. They have to get comfortable first with the idea of sharing this thing that has happened to them. 
And most of these are quite personal. So a healthcare event, as if, you know, great friend of yours and mine was diagnosed a few years ago with cancer. When he shared that information with me, it had been at the end of an evening, we'd <clears throat> gone to a Celtics game in Boston, we're walking away, the snow is coming down. It's, you know, it's been a really long night and, and he still wants to talk. I said, man, I'm, I'm running out of gas. <laughs> I need to go. He said, I got to tell you this. And standing in the middle of the street in a snowstorm in Boston, he shares this information with me. Now, it took a long time in that day to tell me that. He had many, many opportunities before. But why was it so difficult? And we are really close. So imagine the client has something like that that happens. They're not sure first whether or not the advisor may feel any kind of empathy toward them. They're not really sure it's a safe space. And, and candidly, as you and I both know, unfortunately, an awful lot of the clients don't know the advisor well enough to know whether or not the advisor even, even remembers who they are. Hmm. Well, I've that that would be unfortunate, but uh, I mean, it seems to me that so for for health or any, any anything where the client may feel vulnerable, it seems to me that a couple of things an advisor could do uh, to help to help the client feel easier when it happens is, I think the advisor can be a little vulnerable themselves from time to time, right? Just be, be human, um, and then de demonstrate that it's okay. Uh, to peel back the layers of the onion a little bit. You're still keeping it professional in most cases, of course. And then I guess is to just let the clients know, say, look, as we work together, you know, things change, health changes, family situations change, uh, and 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 financial planning and, and activities change with them, have to change with them. So please don't hesitate to let me know when there's been an important change, whatever it may be, right? Just kind of giving them permission and letting them know that it's important because it impacts the the advice that they'll be given or the actions they'll be taking next with their finances, correct? Does that make sense? Oh, it does. Absolutely. And in fact, what I'd say is the advisors that I know that are really, really good at longevity planning, they're just really, really good at anticipating. And so they're helping the client understand that there are potholes in the road ahead. So your next chapter is, um, you know, it, it's not without a bump here and there. And and have you thought about that? You know, mm -hmm. I'll give you another moment that matters, which Please. is if you are concerned about being able to, to age in your own home. Mm. Again, in my family, I don't have to go very far. I've got all seven of these things locked down. So that's where I heard most of them, but they're all based on research that we've done over the years as well to confirm. So, you know, my mother had everything covered. You know, she lived very modestly. My father passed away in, in 2016, but they were educators and, and and medical people. And so they were very, very conservative all the way along, which is, as you know, is probably the, the number one gift you can give yourself in retirement is to not spend too much money. So they were able to live very modestly. She had annuities coming in from her from my father's employment as part of, of his work at different universities. So those are coming in, plus his New York State pension where he worked there, you know, in uh, in the medical industry. And so she's got the checks. The only thing she has to worry about is making sure her checking account at the end of the month is has a higher balance than it did at the beginning of the month. So mm -hmm. there is nothing to worry about, except she lived on Sanibel Island. And so in September 28th of last year, 
Hurricane Ian threw 14 feet of water against my mother's house and as part of devastating the entire area, and she had to leave. So if you don't have a plan for that, that's a problem because she had everything covered. She had enough cash, lived conservatively, loved all of her friends. All the stuff is great. She's on boards. She's doing everything. And now it's all gone. So if you didn't have a plan for that, what's the difference between my mother and one of her neighbors? One of her neighbors, her husband passed away and she looked at her mortgage, saw the cost of homeowner's insurance. And when she paid off the mortgage with the proceeds from his estate, she decided to suspend the the mortgage or the insurance because she no longer needed it as part of the lien on the house. So her house got wiped out as well. The difference is my mother's is sold. This lady, what's she going to do? She can sell a lot. So thinking about what could happen in a situation like that, that's the kind of role that the advisor can play. It's sort of a devil's advocate. Have you thought about, you know, yeah. and, and again, Bill, most of the people have, they've thought about it, but they don't have a plan. Yeah, I key point here. The question I think that advisors can be asking, um, and we can all be asking friends, colleagues, family members, what is your plan for? Uh, I was talking to a gal who her her specialty is long term care insurance, and she would ask, "What is your plan? You know, should you uh, you know uh, be laid up for a period of time? Can't work? Can't take care of yourself? Yada yada." Oh, my sister will take care of me, my brother, my whatever. Do they know that? <laughs> Are they aware of that? Uh, has money been set aside for this? Has, you know, all of that, what is your plan for? So it seems to me that one of the best things an advisor could do, a, a financial planner, if you really are a planner, is have a set of those questions, right? What is your plan for this? What is your plan for that? How, what a gift you give to your clients. And you don't have to know all the answers to what the plan would consist of. You just make sure they're taking care of it in some form or another. I guess it wouldn't hurt to have other experts in your world that might be able to help them with some of those things, right? Uh, but that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Is is to be ready for these calls and maybe to be a little more proactive. Um, so if it happens, I one question I want to ask you uh, around this is, you know, these, what if that, what if you get a call, um, from not from the main client, but let's say if, if typical scenario, I don't mean to, you know, generalize too much here, but you know, typical scenario, husband kind of is the lead quite often in the financial investment side of things. And, and let's say you get a call from the wife and you never really talk to the wife much, which of course would be a mistake in your relationship or from a child right? Because something's happened to the client. That's something we should be prepared for too, should we not? Well, that's actually the one that is the most important because in mm. most situations, you're not actually able to talk to that person because you're not authorized. So, you know, and they're not authorized to be able to share information with you because absent a power of attorney or some kind of, of instruction that's formal, 
you know, you don't have that ability. And so, and that is one, unfortunately, that is the first surprise and it's the most common surprise that's associated with these issues, these moments that matter, is that someone has not been papered. So that's one of the questions that I think that is, uh, is something that every single advisor should have already done in their book, uh, no matter what it is, because if you don't have that trusted contact, which is a FINRA concept. I worked on that for a couple of years with SIFMA, you know, when I was on that committee. And still, you know, that's, that is just not that common. And I'm not really sure why, because simply sending that information to people is critical, but I've heard, and, that, and it's got to be advisors that neither uh, you or I have ever worked with before, but I have heard from advisors, they're reluctant to bring up the concept of a trusted contact because it gives the client a reminder that they won't be able to manage everything well on their own forever. Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, the precise reason why you're doing it. Yes, yes. Um, well, that uh, that's huge. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we should put that on a billboard somewhere. You know, it just make sure you have that. Uh, and that's in the client's best interest, but it's also in the advisor's best interest, Right. Because think think of the, well, the advisor won't be able to help the way they want to help. The, all this time is going to get consumed trying to figure out how they eventually can help. Uh, you know, it's not only the right thing to do just uh, from being able to help people, but it's it's more efficient, right? All of that. So that, you know, having that power of attorney in place for everybody, and really almost doesn't matter what age, right? No. Because um, it could happen to anybody at any point in time. Um, well, yeah, I don't yeah. mean to interrupt you, but I'll, I'll yeah. give you an example that uh, first came to me from a financial advisor, and it was told to me as something that I should think about, which was completely off my radar screen. And that was that I had a child, my middle child, who was going off to university in the UK. And the advisor said, do you have a power of attorney, medical proxy, all that stuff, all connected for this kid? Because there is no way you're going to be able to give instructions to anybody, especially over the phone, you know, to somebody that's across the ocean. So you've got to be papered up for that. And that at that, I mean, it was many years ago, but it's still, it's, uh, it w- was something that I had not thought of. And quite often, to your point, Bill, we, we tend to put some particular capabilities, issues, and needs in, in kind of specific time warps that are mostly of our own creation. Right. And the retirement thing, the next chapter thing, changes all those dynamics because now things that you didn't expect were going to be happening for many, many years, now all of a sudden are right in your face. And so you have to react. So there's there's a, a challenge with the human brain, as you know, that doesn't plan very well, doesn't think about the abstract forward very well. So even the, in when we say with the moments that matter, the real litmus test for most advisors is going to be, can they bring that thing into reality today? Mm-hmm. And it usually is in some kind of conversation like you would have, like I had with my mother back in 2015, you know, a number of years before Hurricane Ian, which is, where will you go if you can't stay in this house? Now, we weren't predicting hurricanes, but probably we should have, right? But there hadn't been a, a really significant one in a long time. But if we pushed on that question, and it basically was, where are you going to go? And and a concept that I would have you think about that comes from a great advisor is, do you really want to submit yourself to the game of musical chairs? 
So I want to credit my friend Tom West uh, of SEIA for this because he uses this line. I think it's precious, which is the game of musical chairs says that there are a certain number of places you can go, a certain number of spots you might get into. But because of this age wave, the demand is going to far exceed the available slots in assisted living, nursing homes, all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. Continuous care retirement centers like the one that my mother bought into with my father. And if you if you have money and you think you're okay, you got a rude awakening coming because you might not get a slot. So the place is sold out. We found that out in our household when it happened to my mother-in-law, who was suffering from Alzheimer's. They, she had planned to go to assisted living, but when the Alzheimer's accelerated, the place wasn't ready. She didn't have a slot. And you know what the cost of that is? $20,000 a month in Westchester, New York. So wow. wrap it all together. I think the basic point is this is stuff you got to be knowing and prepared for in advance. And it's just not a surprise. I've already written down a note to myself that I should make sure my daughter, who's only 31, but she should have a power of attorney. I know I have one. My wife has one. My brother-in-law who's living with us right now because he's ill has one. Uh, but you never know. And you're right. It's it's not just for older folks. It really could be important for anyone. So mm-hmm. it, it, in a minute, Steve, I, I want to talk to you a little more about this term longevity planning that you've mentioned uh, and I also want to ask you about the, the biggest mistake that you see advisors making uh, when we were preparing for this interview. You alluded to that. I want to talk about that in, in running client meetings and, and getting clients to actually listen to their advice. But first, let's take a brief pause to listen to a word from our sponsor, Pod Rocket Influence Academy, brought to you by Proudmouth. First, they make this podcast possible, and their core business is helping financial advisors accelerate their influence through marketing activities like podcasting. This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. It's tough to be seen as an expert if you're spending most of your time as a salesperson. That's why we help industry experts like you spend less time selling and more time advising by turning you into a trusted subject matter authority. We help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit ProudMouth.com to learn more. Be your own loud. I need to take about 45 seconds to let you know that our newest and even better than before Academy for Relationship Marketing is now online and waiting to help you move from incremental growth to exponential growth by multiplying your right fit clients. When you go to the katesacademy.com, you'll see four leading edge state-of-the-art courses. Course one will help you communicate your value more effectively. This course provides a process and a couple of proven formulas for communicating your value more effectively than than you're even doing it now. Course two provides you with a clear path to becoming super referable. Following this path will generate more unsolicited referrals and clients increasingly willing to provide great introductions. Course three shows you that it truly is possible to be proactive for referrals and introductions without being pushy needy or feeling like that creepy referral guy. And course four is about securing that all important connection, meaning an effective introduction to your new prospect. 
This is a part of the referral process that often breaks down for many advisors, but it doesn't have to be that way. Take the steps demonstrated in this course and you'll get more effective connections, introductions to prospects who will then respond and schedule your appointment. There's so much more I could tell you about our new academy, but I want to get back to our interview with Steve. So simply head over to thecatesacademy.com. That's thecatesacademy.com. Oh, and make sure you use the coupon code TCA200, the Cates Academy, TCA200 to save $200 off your investment. Uh, when you go to katesacademy.com and any questions come up, there's a form near the bottom of that page where you can message and together we'll figure out, does it, you know, does it make sense for you? Now back to my conversation with our featured guest, Steve Gresham. Uh, Steve, as promised before the break, the two main things I want to get to is one is this concept you mentioned, longevity planning. This is a big, I guess, big subset of what you do at Next Chapter. What do you mean by that? How do you start that question? What what consists in longevity planning? So longevity planning the, as a call out is important because this is not something that you can do off the corner of your desk. So one of the things we challenge advisors with uh, is you, this is all stuff that's happening. This demographic wave is rolling. They pay 80% of the bills in the advice industry today. So this is not going to change anytime soon. In fact, we're getting really just to that inflection point, what my friends at the Alliance for Lifetime Income call peak 65, where you get that inflection point where it says, now it's all mostly people that are rolling off. And so the reason that I call out longevity planning is that you want to be extremely cautious when you enter this arena, that it is not something that you are doing part-time. And so longevity planning does not have what I would call the same gear ratio as accumulation investing and, and advice to people. When people are looking at the sort of far off concept of investing, you don't really need the amount of attention that you do when you're actually in that moment where now your bills are being paid out of your savings account and you're not really sure how long you're gonna live, which are the preoccupations of most people who get to that inflection point. So now the life has a time, it's a timeline that's more finite. They've got assets that they're not going to be able to grow much faster than the markets unless they're still working in some form, which is why we always say next chapter and not retirement. So when you look at that, though, you can't pull that off as a solo practitioner. You need help. You need different kinds of resources. Many advisors do this with a lot of local capabilities that they have to help people with some of these issues that we think are most critical. You've already mentioned financial decision-making. That's enormous, paves the way for everything else. The other life transitions include, where are you going to live? How are you going to get around? And how are you going to achieve access and finance healthcare? Because there are three different concepts. Mm -hmm. So healthcare, where are you gonna live? How are you gonna get around? And then who's making the decisions? That is all the stuff that is wrapped up inside of longevity planning. And you just can't do that if you have 150 or 200 households. Because retirement to begin with is a family affair. So if you, let's say, have a prototypical couple and they have kids, and most people who are retiring are couples, and most of them have kids. And so you're dealing with that, plus potentially aging parents, it's quite possible that you are dealing now with a family group of across three generations, and it could be anywhere from nine to 20 accounts 
nine to 20 people, I mean, which is many, many more accounts than that. So I don't know how you would be able to do that unless you are in a team, unless you have support structure around you. Most of the people that I know who do this well are in a team of multiple professionals, plus other support and client service people. The gear ratio is more like 25 client households to each professional. And when we see regular kinds of, of you know, straight investing or asset management gear ratios or book sizes, that looks more like 150 client households to one professional. So something has to give in this Lexus here. So what we're looking for is at that point, how would you make that transition? Don't shove 150 accumulator households into a longevity planning model unless you plan to hire a whole lot of people. That's kind of the short version of where that comes from, but we can dig into that some more. Wow. Uh, a big topic, obviously. Um, I remember you telling me a story uh, about how you saw someone kind of striking out about this. I, I'd love you to tell this to the people listening about uh, an advisor had a client called about her breast cancer. He didn't call her back or something. Yeah. Uh that's a strikeout. Maybe I don't know if you have a home run story. Uh, what? Let's put some meat on the bone here. Tell me a story or two around this. Yeah. So let's go back to this this moment that matters. You know, I gave a couple right. of anecdotes about uh, you know a, a healthcare event that is unexpected, as most healthcare events are, but they shouldn't be unexpected by the advisor because the advisor gets to see them across a large population, and it's just not unusual. In fact, it would be unusual if there wasn't some kind of healthcare event. So the moments that matter are not surprises to you. They, they will be surprises in many cases to the actual clients that they happen to individually. But you know, you should say, yeah, I've seen this movie before. That's why I'm here. It's sort of the kind of the oncologist's approach to working with people. So, you know, so the 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 home runs and the strikeouts happen constantly in this game of longevity planning. And you know, the home runs are fantastic. So I'm going to start with the positive side of this. So so if you, you take a person, and, and my prototype uh, working with the Alliance has been a personality that I happen to know one-on-one uh, -on -one named Jackie, who was a suburban uh, homemaker and had basically a job working in a school and her kids were grown and her husband was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. Now, that was just an incredible blow because they have, were thinking about a retirement, you know, not a next chapter, but a retirement to just do what they wanted to do and travel around. And this thing hits them like a ton of bricks. She has never even written a check before. This guy, self-directed investor, actually a pretty good one, also an engineer, did all the investing, all the taxes, said, we never pay for financial advice. You don't need to. We don't pay for managed accounts. We don't pay for annuities. You never buy any of that stuff. And she was able to quit her job. And, and with the good care that she gave to him, he had the time to introduce her to an advisor because now he knew she would need one. And the, the home run part of the story is that when he eventually passed away, this woman felt confident. She says of the financial advisor, she says, she saved my life. And mm. I spent a whole half a day with her hearing the whole story and what she had done. And that was fantastic. And so of course, she, the financial advisor, who was also a woman, has not only the successor family 
now as clients, but also has at last count nearly a dozen of other people in situations very similar to Jackie's because they heard the story. Nobody more than you, my friend, is good at this explanation of how you can make yourself referable. Longevity planning is the best way to make yourself referable. Okay. When does it not work out? What are the strikeouts? Yeah. The moments that matter are critical because each one of them is a call. It's a pitch. It came from somebody. They're not really sure, as I said before, not really sure how it's going to be received. There's a lot of trepidation, a lot of personal information. They're not really sure if they even want to say this and, and talk about it. But right in, in a uh, group of advisors talking about this topic, I did hear from an advisor who said, oh, I've had one of those. Well, you know, a, a woman called me and and she was, uh, you know, she's suffering from breast cancer and actually very early. She's in her 50s. And that was a surprise. And so, you know, we all asked. So, all right, that's terrific that, that this has happened. She felt confident enough to call you. So what was the conversation about? He said, well, she actually talked to my assistant. And so I haven't called her back yet. Okay. And just, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> terrible. <laughs> what can you do? I guess that's just fear, not knowing what to say. I get it, but get over it. Talk to someone, prepare for it, you know, something. <laughs> well, you know, this is the thing you and I've talked about over the years and, right. and you are so good at, which is helping people normalize conversation. Mm -hmm. Just stop and be a human being for a second, because that's the first thing that people sense is whether or not you're actually paying attention to them. You know, in the old days, we used to say, take that computer monitor off your desk and put it on the credenza behind you so that you're not tempted to look at it. That's such a little thing today. And now today, of course, it's your phone or almost anything that goes by, like everything is a squirrel. So if you can just lock in on these people and they feel like somebody is actually listening to them, that is so marketable today because it's so unusual. So these strikeouts, as you referred to them, Bill, are such fantastic opportunities to distinguish yourself compared to other advisors. Your simple response and your willingness to listen without having anything to say, that by itself is a differentiator. And, and in that particular case, a, a quick response. Steve, I have one more question for you that I alluded to earlier, but bef before we get to that, how can listeners learn more about the work you do and, and get in touch with you if they want? Easiest thing to do is go to our website, which is nextchapterinnovation.com. And pretty much everything is there. We do generally work with larger firms and that is supported by some fantastic companies that create solutions. So take a look in there. And then of course, we've also got a great partnership with Advisorpedia. So advisorpedia.com is another place yeah. to go to get our insights. Yeah, in fact, that's the article that I read because my they put my stuff out as well, and that's I always check out see what other people are writing about, and that's what prompted me to interview you. So, last item, uh, biggest mistake you see advisors making when it comes to running client meetings, and to you know to get clients to actually listen to their advice. So you're not going to like it, but again, I'm going to come back to the thing that I see most often, which is the just sheer inability to prepare. And this is the thing I just do not understand because financial advisors have insights, as you said at the beginning, they have insights and impact and knowledge and perspective that most clients do not have. Even if the clients 
know stuff about markets and money. They've never actually fully experienced some of the things we're talking about here. And mm -hmm. so being prepared for their lack of preparation is the number one mistake that advisors make that I see. They don't actually think about how these conversations are going to develop. They don't think exactly about the level of surprise, the emotion. And so none of this should be taking any of them by surprise, but it, it, it comes as a part of actually putting yourself completely into the moment so that you can listen and the preparation comes as a result. Preparation does not mean that you've got an answer for everything. Preparation means being prepared to help them understand what's going on. Mm, got you. Uh, that's so important. Uh, this, is, this is a great conversation. Um, we're going to do more. I know it. We're going to figure it out because I just see how important this is. And, and, you know, I coach a lot of advisors. I help them with their value prop. I help them think through their client service model, all these things. And most of them are not doing this. You know, they're looking for older clients, at least ones that are getting close to retirement, uh, but they're they're not thinking like this. So uh, congrats on this important work you're doing. Uh, Steve Gresham, uh, thank you for being part of a Top Advisor podcast. Hey, my pleasure. My pleasure. You do great work, my friend. Thank you. To you, the listener of this podcast, may I ask you a favor? If you like this episode or like the podcast in general, please leave a five-star review on the platform you're listening to the show. Not all platforms have a place for reviews, but if yours does, I'd be grateful. Thank you. If you haven't already, head over to thecatesacademy.com to check out our newest online resource to help you create exponential growth by multiplying your best clients. That's thecatesacademy.com. And don't forget to use the coupon code TCA200 to save $200 on your membership. This is Bill Cates reminding you that ideas do not make you more successful. Only acting on those ideas will bring you the success you desire. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for listening to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I encourage you to visit my website, referralcoach.com, for links to my books, online courses, and to register for the Cates Academy. <laughs>